This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Today, we have a guest host that every... Everybody should know Mr. Ryan Hanley, and we are joined by Mr. Jamie Pierce from Synatic, and we are going to talk tech. Jamie hit me up on LinkedIn, and we had a brief conversation. I'm like, you know what? We need to just put this dude on the podcast, hear what he has to say. And when I found out Kyle was tied up with a new business appointment today, my first thought was to get Mr. Hanley involved because he and I are both like down this HubSpot rabbit hole mm-hmm. right now working with custom objects and policy management and everything else. And so that ties into the conversation with Jamie. And so we're going to let her rip. But before we do, Jamie, why don't you give everybody kind of your backstory? Tell them who you are, who Synatic is, and we will get to business. Cool. Thanks for the intro, David. Uh, Jamie Pierce here, VP of Sales and Alliances over at Synatic. So effectively what Synatic is, is it's a data automation and integration platform. What we've done is we've seen that there's this massive gap on making data integrate and work together in the insurance industry. So um, we're seeing quite a lot of agency owners and, and, and broker owners getting quite tired with pitching and yet another insure tech. And what we're really about is saying, well, if you've got an API, we can make it work with another system. If you've got a database, we can make it work with another system. So Synatic is about seven years old. As as, I, as I've told David before, um, we're launched out of South Africa, but our primary market is the US and that's where we see our expansion. We, we uh, my favorite saying is dumb enough to try, smart enough to make it work. So in terms of launching a business, Business in the US whilst going through COVID. Um, it's been challenging to say the least, but it's been a hell of a ride and it wouldn't change that journey for anything. So that's a little bit about what we do and what we're about. I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say something, and I, and I mean this in the most playful and positive way, but Synatic, your logo and your name is like right out of Silicon Valley, the show. Like it's like I can see, <laughs> I can see that as like one of the little avatar things. Um. Yeah, it's like it's perfect. It's I haven't just... seen it, so it makes no sense to me. I guess I probably need to watch the show, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so we actually just going through a brand refresh. So we're actually rounding this off to make it a little bit more, uh, a little bit more easier on the eye. But yeah, it, it is a little bit. So name actually comes from synapse and automatics. So synapse being what ties your brain together, connects all your thoughts together, and then automatic is automating things. So that that's uh, that's a little oh, bit like of history it. on where the name comes from. I like it. Well, I, I I just I couldn't help myself when I saw it. I was like, I was like, that <laughs> oh, is no, definitely good, a tech name, like Synatic. I like it. Yes, but the interesting thing on that topic is we steer very much away from the Silicon Valley, um, shall we say the the. <laughs> The jaded um, Silicon Valley, or the the you know the overplayed Silicon Valley Valley tech card. So what we find is that the industry's really gone through this this. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's thrown at you, like AI this and ML that, and and yes, that stuff's great. So don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking those guys in the slightest. So so the guys who come at you with AI and ML and those things are fantastic, but it's almost like you've got um, disparate systems on the one side and you've got AI and ML that rely on having a cohesive view of the data on the other and everybody forgets about the step in between of getting your data and getting your stuff together like getting your house in order and and really that's what we're about so it's interesting that you mentioned the Silicon Valley you know kind of we call them the coasters so the west coast and the east coast different markets, but they, they're very much focused on this VC and throwing a ton of money and throwing, throwing, throwing investment at it. But what a lot of people miss is that in order to achieve AI and ML, you actually need to get your data together in a single view of that, of that data set. And if that data set's sitting disparately located across multiple systems, you, you end up in a position where you can't. And even a strategy of warehousing, uh, data warehousing, data laking data, it sometimes causes a bit of angst because that's critical to data, getting a single view of data, but also making your systems talk to each other. And this the story of like moving beyond just I have an API to my APIs actually talk to one another. And that that's really where we play. Jane, can we um I want to take a, a step back real quick and um you just said a bunch of really interesting things that only David and I who are listening to this actually understand. <laughs> so Sorry. and maybe like a few other nerds like, I don't know, like if, Ryan if we get D lucky enough for Bradley. It's like Bradley yeah. deeds me Fair and David enough. are the only ones who understand what you're saying. <laughs> so um so first just uh uh you, you used the AI is is like science fiction, ML is reality, w w at least today for the most part. What is yes. ML? What does that mean? And like just just give us like a brief um uh, just a brief breakdown of what ML actually means. And it's so, not Miller Lite, just for all you other insurance agents. <laughs> There's a lot of agents that were really excited. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, ML is machine learning. So basically the precept of ML is that a machine can learn to make a judgment call on data. So the more data you give it, the more examples you give it, the machine can then learn how to address that data. And then it can make a decision as if that were a person making a decision. And you can reliably entrust that machine to make the right decision because you've taught it enough with the data you've given it. Awesome. Next definition to go through would be, and this, this, this is one I think you know, people may have a, 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 a small understanding of, but it's API. What is an API? What does it do? We hear this a lot. A lot of insure techs 
are calling brokers going, we have an API. And then, you know, I think the yeah. agent just kind of nods and waits to hang up the phone. W what does that mean? And, and what is its function in this oh. process? Yeah, agents love throwing it around like they know yeah, what it means. I bet you that if you ask any of them, they have absolutely That's no me. clue what <laughs> API actually means, let alone how it works. And I would be remiss to say if if I didn't say this, Hanley, the, the asking of the differentiation between ML and AI tells me you've been spending a lot of time around Frank yeah, Sentner. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's a, he's the only other person. So Sentner, Deeds, Bradley, you, me. There's the five that understand what all this means. No, so um, AP, Jamie, API, he's very passionate about machine yeah, learning. And I, and I, I yeah. promise we'll get into some, some fun stuff, but I, I do think it's important just to kind of table set no, for everybody some of the these table. terms because uh, I have a, a bunch of questions for you and I, I just want to be able to not have to go through this over and over again. It's it's the interesting stuff is so so an API is an application programming interface. So the easiest way to think about APIs and the way to make sure that everyone gets it, and this isn't to dumb it down to say like, hey, you fool, you don't know what you're talking about. It's more to put it in a way that people understand is an API is like talking a language. So we a, a, an API can talk English and another API can talk whatever it may be, French. So what, what those are are just languages and they don't necessarily talk to one another and they can't understand each other. And then you get a service called Google Translate that sits in the middle and we are Google Translate. So we take an API that is speaking English and make that speak to another API that's talking French. And that is effectively what Synatic does. So an API is a way for people to programmatically interact with a system and get data in and out. That is only as good as you being able to translate that language from another solution. If you can't translate that language and make those two systems talk to each other, English to French, you 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 can't get the data moving between the systems. So what is it? So one of the things that you hear a lot is like, you know, you'll hear one technologist say about, say, like a legacy provider or a car carrier. I, I hear a lot of insure tech say this about carriers. They'll be like, ah, their API is shit. What like yes. what does that mean? Like why what would make what would make someone's API better or worse? Is it like the amount of data they can push, how fast they can push it? Like, why would someone's API be crap? Like, what does that even mean? That goes into a very deep conversation on API design. So that it's it would be it would be quite in depth to go into what that means. So give us the, the, the five year old, like if I were uh, maybe like a twelve year old, <laughs> if you're explaining it to a twelve year old. Um, yeah. So so basically the. the the one thing that makes APIs really challenging is some systems have um, non-comprehensive APIs. So, so what you then do is you can call a whole bunch of stuff within the system, but then you can't call specific things. So you can't do specific functions. So a good example is you can maybe call the policy header via API, but you can't pull the policy scheduled via API. And there's varying reasons why several systems have followed that strategy then there's also then then it gets into more the technical implementation of an api whether it's modern whether it's easy to work with whether it structures how it's called and passes data out but they they are definitively so i mean martin our, our founder and ceo he he often talks about how like once he's done with synatic you know and 
decades to come, hopefully, he's going to write a book on designing good APIs. And, and that's, it's a real thing. So they are, they are unfortunately just good and bad APIs. Are we at a point where like API technology for the most part, if you are, uh, if you're building a new API today, right? Um, the technology is kind of, I don't want to say as good as it can get, but like it's pretty much everything someone can need. And the issues are kind of people that maybe like legacy systems or they're just constant improvements. And in 10 years from now, like they're going to be even better. Like, I guess what I'm asking about is the investment in building an API today. Are you building something that in six months is going to be obsolete or are you building or is it the type of system where investing in something like this pays fruit forever. Does, does that question make sense what I'm saying to you? Yes, okay. to totally. So so at the moment, the, the bog standard API methodology is called REST. And REST is, is about as good as it gets at the moment. And it is great. So don't get me wrong. It's fantastic. So SOAP is, a, is an older form of API. People tend to not like working with it. It's got its quirks and its its challenges. But I mean, yes, if you're building REST APIs nowadays, you are future proofed to a greater or lesser degree, gotcha. um, pretty pretty healthily. So cool. yes, you so, can build something that is future proof. So that so uh, and my and thank you for using the terminology because I think that's kind of exactly where I was hoping you would go. Um, so if I'm if I'm sitting here and I'm evaluating a piece of technology, right? Like like David and I had talked a little bit before this call and, and have a bunch of questions I get and think around some of the things that we're actually doing and, and hopefully people will learn from them. But if I'm evaluating a system and their API, you know, we talking to them, they say, hey, you know, I do have some data I want to push over here. I would love to go there. like, and we hear them say, yeah, we have a REST API, fully integrated, whatever. Then you can kind of, without knowing what all that means, you could kind of go, okay, these guys seem to be yes. for the most part up to standard where if they're like, I have a SOAP or what, what was the one before SOAP that still I know some carriers and vendors use, there's like, like, oh, what was the name? There was whatever uh, the one was before that. If you hear any of that old stuff, SOAP, whatever, you're like, eh, uh, you know, maybe I should, I'm probably not going to be able to do everything I want to do or whatever. It's just something to consider. It gives you a trigger or a pushback or whatever. Or does it not really matter? Who gives a shit? Just use the tool. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it, it's so it's an interesting topic for conversation because the the business need shouldn't car tie to the technology capability. So if you have a business need to interact with somebody, that business need is there regardless. So what we what we got to be careful of in the industry at the moment is there's going to be older stuff. It's just it's just the nature of the industry. It's a it's a Donkey's years old industry. We need to with cut those things out of the herd and let them go to pasture, Jamie. We need <laughs> yeah. All Look, the ideally, old things yes. in every form. <laughs> yes. So, so ideally, you want REST APIs. Yeah. I mean that 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 is a that is a bog standard answer. But the I, I would couch that with a little bit of well, if they've got a SOAP API, like we work with AMS 360s SOAP API very happily. Like there's nothing wrong with it. We pull data out of AMS 360. We do deduping and we push data back in via the via the SOAP API for AMS 360. No issue. So, like, does that make it a, a worse solution just because it's using SOAP? No, but we have to. Very happily seems like a corporate line statement more than a 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you do that very happily in there. No, no, we love our friends at Vertifor. Um, so, uh, okay, so so taking this kind of kind of laying all that groundwork, you know, basically there's there's different types of machine learning that are available. Different tools use them in different ways. Um, done right, they can be very uh, very useful and and add a lot of value. And if we can connect systems using APIs, then that allows us to take the tools that are important for business functions and pass data without duplicate entry and allows us to pull information and, and maybe even combine different data sets um, and be uh, and add more value, hopefully. Um, so then, okay, so so having that kind of baseline set, um, uh, you know, kind of set where, you, so where you guys fit in is it would be, let's say I have HubSpot for my CRM, comms, marketing, sales function, service function, and I have a tool like any AMS, personally I'm on now, search right now, um, over here, and I want to make sure that those two tools are as integrated as possible in terms of their ability to pass data. Is that where you guys fit in? You're the piece between the two saying, uh, this tool doesn't natively talk to this tool, um, but if we work with Synatic... They're going to help make sure that now, you know, whatever we want to happen or be triggered in here is pushed over to this tool and vice versa. Is that, am I kind of breaking that down at a high level? Spot on. Awesome. That's exactly it. Um, So so there's... Uh, uh, well, that, yeah, I mean, that's just what like, our platform like, I guess uh, that was probably the wrong question. I guess my 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 question is like, okay, so um, we. I don't mean this to be cynical, so please don't take it that way. I'm actually very interested. I'm I'm incredibly interested. We've heard that a lot, right? We've had, <clears throat> unfortunately, what's happened in this industry, and 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 I've just been privy to it uh, too many times, basically because in 2015, 2016, every technologist in the world took full aim at us and you know tried to revolutionize the industry um you know we've we've had a lot of people a lot of a lot of companies try to make these bridges and then you know it tends to be they they the feedback you get is it's like a step too far they're not ready this company's not ready this company isn't ready over here we'd love to have this but they're not ready how are you guys starting to mash that together or has the industry as a whole started to catch up with at least good enough technology that now you can really be that transfer point so, I mean, the, the way we can prove that we've done it is because we have done it. So, I mean, we've worked with solutions like like AMS 360 Applied Epic, um, uh, Vertifor Sagita. Vertifor Sagita's got a very complex data structure. And, and we've gone through this process of saying the older solutions, and this is a real issue for the industry, is there's a lot of older solutions. Or, older is a little bit strong. Um Oh, let's call them legacy tech. I think it's fair to say. Well, Sajid is um, what, 42 years old at this point? So Yeah, yeah. And, and it's on a very archaic or very older database called Rocket Universe, mm-hmm. which has got its, a very unique structure to it that you need like you need to delve into to understand it and get the data around yeah. Sajita. It's not a simple game. Um, we've done the same with Duck Creek. So Duck Creek on the carrier side sells yodel on top of the duck creek solution to make sense of the data because it's quite challenging to understand the duck creek data yet we've gone in and understood that so i mean we can demonstrably talk about things that we have done Mm -hmm. so that that's where i'd say that we can differentiate like we can talk about how we've 
done AMS 360 to Salesforce, Sagita to Salesforce, Applied Epic to Salesforce, um, you know, ratings engines to Salesforce, and then creating the policy shell in a 360 so that the policy shell then downloads automatically from Ivan's. So those are things that we've demonstrably done. We can talk about having done them and we can show you how we've done them. So it's What about not... Applied Epic to HubSpot? <clears throat> yeah. You've done but, that so... or is it possible? Uh, so we haven't specifically done that, but I mean, there's nothing to stop us doing that because Applied Epic, so Applied Epic has this um, this connector called BDE. Mm -hmm. So it's Ball and Database Engine. So for, for people who don't know what that is, it's basically a way to connect up to the Applied Epic database. Now for us to extract data from that and push it on into HubSpot, all good. And we've worked with the XML service on the way back down into Applied Epic, which XML is, might be the word you were thinking of earlier versus SOAP. So those are principally usually the same thing almost always. Yeah. Um, but we've done that with Applied Epic. So no, no harm, no foul. So one of the projects we're working on at the moment is um, you know, obviously agencies are going through acquisition processes all the time and groups are acquiring and acquiring and acquiring. So what we're working with now is an agency that's got Applied Epic and 360. So now we're pulling data from both, aggregating that out so that you get a single view of customer and then publishing that up to Power BI and Salesforce and so on and so forth. So that's really interesting to me. Do you work with a lot of, um, that seems like it could be very useful in the network or aggregator space as Correct. because you know what you get oftentimes there's a significant lag in value creation from a new acquisition in a network model because they come in on a ams system that isn't the standard of the network so if the network's a yes. vertical network or it's an applied network and then they acquire someone maybe who has nexture or has you know, like a, like a Hawksoft yes. or whatever. Hawksoft now now whatever all of a sudden you're trying to translate data and move systems or you have this kind of like um, ghost ghost system that sits out here that you're trying not to use anymore and that's a big headache. Have you seen, it sounds to me like what you're building and, and how you're doing it, this could be very valuable is now you have this one, like, you know, think of it like a Penn Station in New York City of this one central point, which is able to take in data from different and push it to wherever they're capturing it yes. and starting to, to to roll it up. Is yeah. that the concept? Yeah, it's a, it's exactly that. Yeah. And and then you start to leverage the what a group should be. So a group, the whole strategy behind a group should be you should have well, not I'm saying you should as in like my thinking around it is I'm not dictating what groups should do. But my understanding of a group is we buy strategic assets so that we fill strategic holes within our service lines mm -hmm. so that we have lines of business and then we can offer a broader suite of solutions. So we can go to a customer and say, hey, I can see you've got household insurance with us and I can see you've got your boat insured with us. By the way, we've just bought a sister company that can do your car insurance as well. And, and if you don't have a single view of Mr. Hanley as Mr. Hanley has, car and household insurance, and he doesn't have whatever else it may be, then how do we cross-sell and upsell? We can't. We're hamstrung. So, so that's the fundamental issue groups sit with at the moment is this ability to aggregate data. But it goes right down to a 10, 15-man shop that, that, or sorry, 10, 15-person shop that has 
you're just as much struggle reporting on their data. It's it's the struggle's still real for a for a ten person shop. The struggle is definitely real. So, do you guys um, another use case that that I'm, I'm just I'm just thinking through would be like let's take that same example. So let's say we're a applied shop uh, as a network or a series. You know, we're a we're a multi location agency and we're acquiring a new shop yeah. and it's um, you know like like David they're on Hawksoft. Okay. So could you, instead of leaving Hawk, that Hawksoft system in place, could you use what you're doing as like almost like a, like a extraction tool, like use, connect yeah. in, pull out what you need, repopulate in the home kind of rolled up system and then yeah. send out to pasture the, the Hawksoft system after a period of months. And now you have all that data that wasn't here rolled up into the the main, say in this case, applied system, if we're system. Just talking, yeah. yeah. And then that way you don't have to go through, you know, cause I've heard horror stories and David, I'm sure you have too. You're talking two, three, sometimes five years of time yeah. to transfer the information out of an, an acquired agency's agency management system into the main system. And then you get, well, is yeah. the time value worth just leaving that system? And now I have a hawks, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a, a client success associate in an agency and I'm, I have one login for this Hawksoft system over here for these customers and then another login for the main system over here. And now you're wasting time that way. So that, that seems like a, like a, like a, a universal extractor tool or something, you know, that could be. A we do that too. too. So we're doing uh, an AMS 360 to Novadea extraction at the moment. We're doing. Uh, to Novadea. AMS to Novadea. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we're doing an easy links to AM. Well, we just finished an easy links to AMS 360. So, so typically, where we, because obviously our business model is we want to sell on an ongoing basis. We want licensees to our platform on a, on a long term basis. So, we don't like talking about ourselves as just data extraction yep. and data conversion and migration, whichever one you want to call it. So, that, that tends to not be our specific focus. But it is it it's a necessary part of it because it's it's a very very prominent issue in the industry or struggle in the industry at the moment. Yeah, David, you look like you had a question. You leaned forward, so I'm. Now I'm getting I'm getting amped up. You can keep okay. going. Um. So okay. So where am I? So you know the next question I have and and is is kind of moving over towards um. Uh, around download, right? The, 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 mm. you know, call, I, I don't know. Some people call it an obstacle. Some people just say it is what it is, whatever, um, you know, download and, and particularly Ivan's has been both a boon and an obstacle mm. at the same time, right? If you're plugged in and using yeah. it well, it, it's fine. Uh, if you can't get plugged in or you're in an agency management system like now certs, which, you know, only some carriers will push their data through or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, now you're now you're kind of hamstrung by it. Now it's like you know, it, it works sometimes, doesn't work other times. You know, is the you know how do you work through download? I, I'm trying to frame this question correctly. Is there a way to so what most agents do is they look at that problem, they go, okay, I'm just going to choose Vertifor or Applied because they have you know Applied has the best you know, Ivan's integration, Vertifor probably is the next best Ivan's integration. And I'll just say, screw anyone else because, you know, I'll just solve this problem. 
Or is there another way to solve it, right? There's been a lot of people that have tried to bypass Ivan's. Is that a reality? Like, is there any, you know, like, we're going to go direct download, direct yeah. integration into carriers. Like, I guess I'm always interested in, is that vision of bypassing Ivan's, is that just a pipe dream kind of, you know, hey, we can all talk about it and it sounds great, but it's never really going to happen? Or is there just a way to optimize your usage of Ivan's so that you don't even have to worry about that? So, so my opinion on Ivan's is that they've got a huge amount of critical critical mass, and and that is very telling. So to even conceptualize competing with Ivan's is just such a monstrous thing. It's it's a big this big beast. So where where we're playing at the moment is we're we're actively having conversations there to say like how do we improve edocs how do we improve downloads is is there improvement there if there isn't cool if there is great so can we produce data from ivans and put it into an al3 file and drop it into a location so al3 for anyone who doesn't know is kind of the industry standard of a of a of a fixed structure of a file um but can we do that yes absolutely like for us to go and launch into competing with Ivan's, I I don't see it as a reality at the moment. Um, I don't think the maturity is there either from the carrier side. Some carriers are very mature with their API access and their data availability. Some carriers are exceptionally backwards. And it's the backwards ones that always cause the whole point there. Because unless you get that critical mass buy-in of the folks supplying the data being the carriers, it's going to be very difficult to get the agencies to buy into that. So it, it's that double-sided marketplace that really makes it quite a unique proposition. So is it theoretically possible to replace Ivan's? Absolutely. Um, is it is it terrifically pragmatic? I would, I would have yeah. serious questions around that. Can we take data from Ivan's and put that into the AMS? in a better format or in the correct format or tweak data that's coming in there. Yes, absolutely. We can handle think, that. You know, so I, I love that because that, <clears throat> that to me, you know, I've been all over the spectrum on this particular question. Um, I hate any system that forces me, that dictates me to play exactly by the rules, which is what for yeah. the large part Ivan's has done. And look like. That's pretty rogue. But, yeah. <laughs> So I, I uh, <laughs> you know, you I just, that, there's like something about my personality that just, I bristle at that. That being said, um, the 41 year old version of me, you know, understands the role that Ivan's plays and, and has, you know, really at this point, I'm more interested in how do we optimize? Cause it also, you know, I think a lot of people who've been dashed across the rocks of this particular hill, right. This like, I'm going to go bypass Ivan's, you know, concept, which seems like every couple of years someone comes out with which everyone supports for a while and then it's just a huge like you said huge task it always seems like what the ultimate like the the death stroke is that carriers aren't looking for another option like agents exactly. may you know the random agent or or group of agents may want it and see the value and hey if we could just have a direct download that'd be amazing or or a direct api connection and i i get the functionality but it just doesn't seem like the carriers have the disposition to do it and and so therefore, it's that second part of what you said, the how do we optimize the data that is being pushed through Ivan's? Because it is a lot of data. I mean, although I yes. think of AL3, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is like the 
if you're saying it's the standard data set, and I think of that as like my kid's plastic screwdriver as like the the standard oh, totally. the standard tool in my toolbox. Um, totally. I'm, I'm not a fan of AL3, so don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. Like AL3 is a necessary evil that the industry has defined. So I'm going to pivot this to a very selfish question. And is there then the ability to build custom download portals that could send download to information, to, to platforms that are not traditionally insurance focused, like say something like a HubSpot, where now here's a platform, you know, traditionally you're looking at an AMS system is what would have download. Is it is it possible uh, to build, say custom, I would call it an application or whatever, where I can, instead of routing that information to my AMS system, I can route that information, same stuff, you know, approved by the carrier and all that kind of whatever, route that information to a non-traditional system, um, like, like say like a HubSpot HubSafe. or uh, yeah. uh, a Salesforce instance or Zoho or something like that. Yeah, absolutely there is. So, so again, the problem sits with, so I mean, like you could go to a court and you could go to a court and say, give me the tool set that allows me to interpret and output AL3 files. So you could go fetch the data from Ivan's, you can put it into a chord system and a chord will then spit out the AL3s or spit out the JSON, which is for REST, uh, REST API service. And it can give you that, but you still have the same principal issue of it's another data point that you need Google Translate to translate the language to put it into HubSpot because HubSpot doesn't speak the language that your record system speaks. So you still have this gap in between of moving data between solutions. But but yes, fundamentally, you're, you're absolutely bang on. You can do that. Well, we can do that, whatever. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And when you're saying Google Translate, you're using that as... Um, um like an analogy, near not or meta. An analogy, yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 so yeah, Synetic yeah. is the Google Translate of data. Yes, gotcha. Okay, cool. I just want to make I want to make that clear because there will be people who heard that and they'll be literally <laughs> okay. thinking it's You're Google sitting, Translate. Oh my god! <laughs> you were sitting here getting ready to type. Just knowing my knowing <laughs> yeah, David's knowing our collective audience, there'll be people like, oh, I just got to give me some of that Google Translate. I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah, no. Like people are literally <laughs> typing translate.google.com yeah. into their browser yeah. right now to figure out <laughs> why is it. Yeah. Why is an accord on one of the languages yeah. and HubSpot on the other? Yeah. What's going on here? No, but I mean, I think that's I think that's interesting, and I mean, you know, it 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 doesn't really sound to me like if somebody has the ability to fund the project and has the vision to know what they want in the end, that you know, there's a lot of possibilities out there. We we could literally do about anything at this yeah. point. With HubSpot, right? I mean, the key is the translation piece of getting the language converted into the language that HubSpot speaks. But yeah. if you can get it in there, good guy. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. And, that, and HubSpot's come a long way. Yeah. Hey? I, I think it, like that's it's worth mentioning. Like people have very much been de facto Salesforce. It's been very much the the kind of the the go to CRM. So you kind of and, and I've. I beg forgiveness to Cat and, and Agency Zoom up front, but Agency Zoom is what you use when you're smaller and then you grow up and then you're a bigger agency and you move to Salesforce. It's kind of been the progression of CRMs now. And HubSpot has really put together a very neat strategy around t targeting and, and really focusing in and honing in on 
on on Salesforce's functionality and moving it away from just a marketing just a marketing platform and really getting into that CRM customizable space. They've done a good job. It's a good solution. Which is kind of ironic because their CRM is the product that they have always yeah. led with, right? I know. It's like, now we're going to take the CRM seriously. Well, you know, there's a lot of people, I, I don't know. From It's an interesting study from a marketing perspective because you have to wonder how many people have been alienated by the quote-unquote free version that didn't have the functionality. Yeah. And then all of a sudden now we're going to go back and we're actually going to make this thing more functional. It, you know, I've been along for the ride for a while now and I've, you know, to be honest with you, their level of innovation in how they have mm. grown that product is still pacing much faster than our ability to program and make it do yeah. what we want. So I'm I'm okay with where they're at right now in their development. In fact, they could even slow down a little bit and give me an opportunity to catch up some. <laughs> Just take a break, and I might man. start using like yeah, I might start using like 25% of its functionality yeah. instead of 15, you know, but yeah. um you know, it, it's encouraging to know that the the to hear that the opportunity's there, you know, if the translation can happen, that we can do what we need to do. Yeah, and and it's so much broader than that, you know. I mean, like it's it's one thing getting the the policy from what it. So let's talk Ivan's into HubSpot. It's an entirely new thing going and saying, well, what do we need to do with that policy once we've got it in HubSpot? So do we need to go and send it across to SMC so that SMC can do our comparative automatically and then bring in the updated. The, the updated policy. And if it's a new policy, we need to go and create a new policy header so that Ivan's can fill that. And, you know, so, so that, and that's just an example. You know, you can take any, any one of a number of, of, of insure takes and go and use the same sort of thing. Broker Buddha. So how are you getting data out of Broker Buddha into HubSpot? Because Broker Buddha does a great job of, of onboarding, but then what does it do next? Where does that data go to? And at the moment, it's a manual download predominantly between AMSs and Broker Buddha. Yeah, that's, you know, this this to me, you know, this this universal routing system or so, some people will get this reference, some won't, like a Zapier for insurance kind of concept. It, it is. Yeah, is that to me is, it's like, that's the next big, a today, you know, you, you today it's, it's, it does feel like a like a heavy lift to contract with someone like Synantic or whatever. And I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it feels at face value like, oh, you know, it's not this easy tool. But as I think like what you're doing becomes uh, feels less scary, feels more yeah. real and tangible and, and accessible. Um, I think that's the next big leap forward for our industry because it is it is it is rapidly, I think, culturally it is very rapidly becoming unacceptable yes. for platforms to just dictate functionality to agents. Like you take my agency, you take David's agency. There's a reason that we have both gravitated to HubSpot and it's not just because we like shiny things. It is because, you know, maybe I like shiny things slightly more than David does in general, but <laughs> you know, but, but, but you know, it's, it's because there is a way that we want to do business. There is a way that our brains think about business that when we stare at any of the current solutions that are in industry, they just don't allow us the flexibility and the functionality. So, okay, that's great. So we choose a platform like HubSpot. Now we're left in the in current state doing duplicate entry, wedging yeah. in you know, Zapier connections here or pushing data here or using VAs to move data from this system to that system because – we want the functionality, but the connection isn't there. So what I hear you saying is not only is there an opportunity to start to connect 
systems that already exist, but there's an opportunity to actually build hubs to pull data right from the mainstream into your system, which takes you yep. to a whole nother level. And that's very exciting 100%. to me. Yeah, I mean, the way the way I came across David was actually watching one of his podcasts with Zach Mefford. And I was like, straight away, I connect, connect to Zach Mefford and say like, you said this on the podcast, I wish there was a way to make APIs talk to each other. We do that. And that was the entry point for the call. And we're progressing with him. Yeah, so, how'd your call with Zach and, go? He's, he's, a, he's a ball of fire. There's no doubt about that. Oh, it was great. I mean, like, so so the reality is he's got a quote from MuleSoft to go and spend 230K on license fees per annum to go and do what we're quoting substantially less than for exactly the same stuff that he's asking for. Yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, MuleSoft has done a beautiful lead-in for us. They've basically gone and said, oh my God, this is expensive. And we come in and say, well, this is actually what it's going to cost with Synatic. And plus it's going to take 100, 150 hours of professional services. What, what's, what's to say no to? Yeah. And, and it's, it's a, it's a, it sidles in so beautifully alongside that. So, and, and I think that that's the trick is going back to something you, you said now is people have this perception that data and integration needs to be, a, a hell of a lot of money and and it actually doesn't need to be is there's there's ways that are attainable and and we are aggressively going after this this mid-market that is left in the wake of all of the the big agencies and the big insurers who have money to throw at the situation you know and yeah. and that's the problem with the small and mid-market is What's happening is the complexity of the industry is pushing more and more down into the smaller and mid market, but they don't have the budget to throw two, three, four, five hundred K at the problem. And they don't have the resource to throw at that problem. So how do they solve it? And like we genuinely want the answer to be let Sonata candle that. Yeah, I I I just I couldn't agree with what you just said more. I mean, that's absolutely the issue, is that the 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 broker who wants more than basic is often left with no options until you get to be yeah. really large and then you can put some serious coconut on the table and make things happen. But everybody in between, and it's why there are entire 10,000 person Facebook groups dedicated to bitching about technology products in our space is because it's like, wow, I love yep. this tool. It doesn't talk to anything, but I love it. And then I got this other tool yeah. over here that I love and it doesn't talk to anything. And I got this other tool over here that I hate but I have to use it because it's the only one that plugs in the download. And I got, you know, and, and that yeah. conversation has been happening since I joined this industry in 2006. It's been, it's been the same conversation over and over and over again. And, you know, um, one of the great titans of our industry, uh, Ron Berg, who uh, is the head of ACT, who is uh, just recently announced as being perpetuated by Chris Klein, who's absolute monster rock star love chris klein to death yeah, no. um, i've done a podcast with him as well yeah yeah he, tremendous um you know ron's mission had been to to make download more universally acceptable and just to think about you know he 20 plus year career and you know it just was kind of bad you know so much of that was obstacle after obstacle after obstacle it feels to yeah. me like at, with Chris Klein picking up that mantle and, and probably some guidance from Ron and, and everything he's done laying the foundation, feels like we, these next 10 years, next five years even, we're going to be making a lot of headway. There's going to be a lot of, feels like the pace is going to pick up on a lot of this and it, it's a very exciting time. 
Yeah. And it, it, it is. It's a fascinating time to be alive because in and, and it's it harks back to the earlier comment about the coasters and and about like there's so much drive around um, VC money going into into tech that's just beyond the if I can use the word normal or standard agencies uh, like capabilities at the moment. It's just it's a pipe dream. Mm-hmm. It, there's 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 a journey to get there and the insurance world is really actually properly waking up to it and critically the agents and brokers are, are waking up to it you've got to remember that the the carriers have sat on a, an immense amount of data for a very long time and they've used that so you know like you use the example of um, in, um itc itc a lot of the products are actually guided towards the carriers because the carriers have the data. The carriers have the buying power. They're bigger organizations generally. And there's this wealth of a market that sits, not that we don't work with carriers on that side, but there's a wealth of a market sitting with agents and brokers who are very frustrated with data capability at the moment. Yeah. Even though, I, David, I don't know if you saw it, but there was a recent McKinsey article that came out, which basically was showing the, the, the case that brokers have kind of officially taken back the power from carriers that the the 10 year experiment mm. of carriers kind of trying to cut agents out of the deal um, has not gone well for them. And in many cases no, has no. actually caused uh, a reduction in, in book value um, in the areas where they have tried to remove brokers from the equi- equation. And I what I hope is, and, and, and you know, that's why I love being associated with David and, and all the work he does at Killing Commercial and, and, and the advances he's made, is that you know we don't we can't rest on that right like yes it's cool that there's been this moment where we've kind of proven our value back to the industry in terms of the relationships and the caring and the frontline underwriting and all, and all that kind of stuff um that's amazing but i see this not as a moment to kind of you know take stock i see it as a, as a moment to let's start let's start doing some of the stuff that that you can do start start thinking about how yeah. we can move faster and deliver that same amount of value to a broader market set and go even deeper i mean there's shit that david could talk about that he's doing um you know in terms of brand marketing and niche marketing and flowing things between oh, uh, different brands that like you know most people totally. one we don't have time and and two most people wouldn't even necessarily understand it but it's like that's that's what we're capable of with all the things that we've traditionally had. And it's just, it's so exciting to see it and to know that it's even possible. It's felt for so long like a pipe dream. And what I hear from you and, you know, hear from some other people as well is that these things are really starting to open up and it's it's kind of, uh, it feels very much like a gas pedal moment for for agents and brokers in our space right now. I couldn't agree more. Like it, it's it's got to happen. The, the, the industry is running behind other industries just from a data maturity point of view. And and it's I think people are are waking up to the we need to make systems work together better and it's plausible so let's go and do it and it's it's why we're focusing on the insurance industry because we see that momentum change. How in the world are we just now hearing about Synatic on my podcast? Yeah, I know. I'm actually kind of pissed that I didn't know about you until now. Yeah, it's kind of bothering me. I don't like when new vendors come well, into the space I, and I don't know about them. And not that you're that new, but I don't like that. Yeah, so I mean, 
No, but I mean, that now you understand, Ryan, why you were the first person yeah. I thought of. I mean, I know everything. Not, I don't know everything, but you and I have had enough conversations that I have an idea of what you're trying yeah. to build. And it's not dissimilar from what yeah. I'm trying to build. A little bit of difference in terms yep. of tweaks. But at the end of the day, this is a missing ingredient in a pretty significant recipe. Yes. Well, yes. you know, I I think of things like like you mentioned, SEMC. I substitute SEMC with Tarmica, T-A-R-M-I-K-A.com. Yeah. Um you know, I'd, 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 subs you know, but I think about, you know, that I think about, you know, you start to pull together things like, um, you know, automatic COI production tools. Like I know David use eCerts, their technology is not amazing, um, but they're a very functional tool. No, their technology is web-based and easy. Yes, That's yeah. it. But you think of like Trustlayer, right? Like what you can start to do with a tool like, and I'm not, I'm not saying use Trustlayer, I'm just saying taking them as an example, you could have something like HubSpot where someone fills out a form for a certificate, that certificate is automatically pushed through uh, a, synaptic, a synaptic connection to Trustlayer, and now Trustlayer is pumping out that COI, and you just saved someone in your team, you know, 10 minutes of their life, 20 minutes of their life. Now, maybe there's a, a decision point with a verify before it sends or whatever, or maybe it's just push and pulled. But like, these are the kind of things where, you know, I, I, I'm not anti-agency management system. I just think that they need more competition. And I think that when we start to think about what's possible, when we are actually given the ability to build the connections that add real value, we can pick and choose the partners and do it without having to have the governors of an agency management system. And I said this to David earlier, and I'll say it again here. You can't, it is very difficult for me to believe that you are a unique value provider as an agency if you are hindered by the same restrictions from the same systems that everyone else in your geographic footprint is using, yeah. right? If you're using one of the main agency management systems, you have the same set of limiters on what's possible. There's just, there's only so many things they're gonna let you do and you have those same limitations as every other person who uses that same agency management system. And when I think about a tool like Synatic and what you're trying to do, what all of a sudden it goes, now I can, all the things, I can be whatever I wanna be. I wanna use Zoho CRM and I wanna use, you know, Tarmica and I wanna use this tool over here and I want them to talk to each other and I want it to all roll up under Donna's, you know, data, reporting structured thing or whatever, you know, now it's all becomes possible. And that to me is very exciting because it's, you know, it lets the Zach Meffords of the world, the David's me and, and so many others actually go be the agents that we want to be. And and that's the really exciting thing because yeah. we're all going to be so different. It, it really is a, a, an industry of snowflakes. And I mean that in the, in the positive, unique sense, not in the kind of lefty sense. <laughs> Um, so not to get political, David, but, um, we love all our brothers. Fingerprints would have been a good option. Yeah. F fingerprints would have been a good option. Also yeah. unique to each individual. <laughs> so yeah, I just, that's my little diatribe here at the end. I just, uh, I love this and we're going to have to connect after Jamie. Cause I actually have a, I have a couple ideas for you. So. Jamie, did you work with, have you done any work with Rachel Robinson in them over at CJOS to integrate their app with Zoho? No. Uh, I don't know okay. their name at all, so no. It's an AMS app that sits on top of Zoho right now. That's a, you know they're working to make that a fully integrated solution of an AMS CRM at the same time as well. I just wondered because they certainly could benefit from knowing you. 
Yeah, so I mean, so no, no is the direct answer on that one. Don't don't know them, but would be great to great to chat to Rachel. Um, I mean, the the trust layer conversation is particularly interesting, and I, I think what what's interesting about the AM we have like three dozen we have like three dozen more conversations just like that one of things we want oh, yeah. to do where we have a vendor like that. I mean, trust layer it's is just, just one, one yeah. example. I've got so many yeah, so many things that we can do. You know, and honestly, part of it is because of my ADHD and shiny object syndrome that I've cobbled together this little tech stack that's well, not even it's not even that little. Because I've got little so compared much stuff. to who, but yeah, but I mean, at this point, you know, I need to make this stuff talk to each other because it's like running an agency where every time somebody comes in and they say, "Well, you know, I need to do this." Well, that you know, David does it this way, and the only way anybody knows how it gets done is to come talk to David or to find out somebody who's been trained by David in the way he does it. I need my systems to work where we can come in, push a button, and it works the same no matter what. And I mean, I think we have we we've done a really really good job of developing automations to enhance the human experience. We're not looking to go in here and replace you know account managers or CSR. But we also understand that today's buyer has instant gratification yeah. that they're looking for. My client does not want to pick up the phone or send an email and ask for a certificate. It's easier for them. It's cobble, you know, is as, as archaic as the technology is from a UI standpoint. It's easier for them to log into eCerts online, pull a pre-approved 100%. template, and send it. I'd be look. I had coffee with John Four from TrustLayer last month, and I mean, this is one of the conversations that we had. If we had a way. To, to to push trust layer through our system or push data back and forth, I could replace like three yeah. other technology products that I have just by taking and making sure that they're speaking the same language to use your your analogy, right? And so, you know, that's that's where I think the real opportunity here is. I mean, there are so many people out there that have just one creative idea. We're kind of unicorns in that I'll try anything once, right? And I'll, I'll be the, the test lab for anything I'm going to do. But there are a lot of agents out there that have like one or two really good ideas yeah. that if, if we, they understood that there was a way to make these things happen. And people, if you have things you're trying, problems you're trying to solve or whatever, send them in. Let's get this stuff formalized and out there and let's start making a movement to address these things one at a time. But there's a lot of things from an automation standpoint that would make us more efficient, more profitable, and better suited to focus on what our clients really need. And that is our attention when they have a problem, not not basic mundane yeah, service. You know where I see an amazing, I know we're at the number, so I'll, I'll uh, make this quick. But the, the part of this that I think would be incredible is the backend risk management delivery that right now nobody has connected into their main system, mm. right? Like there are some yeah. really good backend risk management tools, um, uh, service delivery tools, HR delivery tools that, you know, that agencies like David, like mine, like others, especially those in the killing commercial community use to actually deliver a set of services post-sale. Well, all of those systems today are still sitting as separate disparate systems. And I think of like marketing sales, some of the some of the standard agency functionality like COIs, that kind of stuff is like maybe layer one of these connections. Like that's like where you would start, you know, to start checking off boxes. But that next layer is when you could start to fully integrate all the risk management delivery services and people could actually pull those into your your system or through your system and and track their usage and things like that versus 
you know, them being standalone. So there's, there's once connections become possible it's and, exactly and all that. Well, think about claims, man. Think about all the things you can do around claims. Claims. Even. claims. I mean, oh my so gosh. Many, yes. And they are messy. At there's the so many things. They're so yeah. messy. Well, and, and the problem with claims is that it creates two necks to ring. So uh, we, on the one hand, we want to ring our bro- broker's neck because the broker's the guy I got a relationship with, but the broker says, talk to, talk to the insurer talk to the carrier and they, and yeah. they're like but my relationship's not with the carrier my relationship's with you you insured me no i didn't hartford did and then you go into the hartford world and it's it's difficult to get data out yeah it's uh it's exciting man that's- i that's why i think you know i was i was excited when david invited me to come on and be guest host or whatever but like this to me like this conversation is the next big opportunity in our space I, you know there, there's a lot of stuff, you know, blockchain insurance and, you know, all these different things. I think all yeah. that's super cool. It this cool. to me, this connection, this ability to actually harness your data. And I don't mean data in like the big kind of, you know, sense where it kind of gets a little messy. I mean, actual things that you need, like information we push to a COI that can automatically be sent to a customer. Like that kind of information to consistently have that track it understand who's using it, how they're using it, why they're using it, and be able to make business decisions off of that, that to me is the next great opportunity in our space. And uh, it's exciting to know that you're out here and, um, you know, we need to have a conversation. So, cool. Absolutely. Well, listen, we are bumping in an hour. I want to be respectful of both of y'all's time. Lots to unpack. Jamie, I can say that unequivocally, you're probably going to show up on Hanley's podcast at some point. <laughs> and you'll definitely be, but you'll definitely be back on ours. But really appreciate you taking the time to break it down for us. For our audience that is more tech savvy that's still listening to this, I feel like we probably lost like 50% of the people within the first five minutes. You know what? I'm perfectly fine with that because I don't want to I don't want to waste their time listening to things that they're not going to ever try and do anyhow. But for the 50% of the people that actually want to try and push this industry into the next, you know, decade, next generation, whatever, you got a really, really good look at what's to come. And this is just the beginning. So Jamie, I thank you so much. If anybody wants to reach out, because we have a lot of insure tech people that actually follow this podcast that may have an interest in talking to you about how you can help them solve some of their issues as well. How do they find you? And we'll let you close it out with that. Uh, Jamie at synatic.com. That's J-A-M-I-E. And then just the website, synatic.com, S-Y-N-A-T-I-C. Perfect. All right, man. I appreciate you guys coming on. Thank you so much. Everybody else, we will see ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. <laughs>